You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Online where the game starts. On today's episode of Locked on Kentucky, going to be talking about Will Levis returning for the Mississippi State game. Going to talk about the importance of that and what the offense needs to do now that he has returned. Also, on today's episode, going to ask the question, why is C-Rod not getting more carries and does he need to get more touches this weekend? And then finally, we're going to dive into a series that we are going to do as we build up to the college basketball season. We're going to start our player preview series. Going to start with Uganda Onyenzo uh, or Uganda Kingsley, as some of you may know him on Kentucky's roster. We're also going to talk a little bit about Big Blue Madness and what to expect from that here in just a few days. I want to remind everybody out there to go ahead and subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that be on YouTube or on your podcast feed. Please make sure to leave a five-star review if you do so. We've actually got a five-star review that we're going to get to later on in the show. But to start things off here, Kentucky gets Will Levis back for the Mississippi State game. I believe this was first reported by KSR on three uh, if I am mistaken, I apologize. Whoever out there was uh, was the one to break this news first. According to reports on Monday, uh, Will Levis was on track to, uh, to get back into uh, the swing of things, but he was listed as day-to-day, according to Mark Stoops. And according to Mark Stoops in the SEC uh, coaches teleconference on Wednesday, he said this, and this is a quote from an article from Nick Rush, again, over at KSR on 3. Mark Stoops said, I feel like barring any setbacks, he should be good to go. He's been out there Monday, Tuesday, and we practiced this afternoon, expecting him to be out there today. We hope he's at or near full strength, end quote. That's what Mark Stoops had to say about the Kentucky quarterback. And I just want to say before we kind of get into things here, Kentucky could not have afforded to not have had Will Levis for a second straight week. We didn't even do a recap episode of the South Carolina game. Uh, I was, uh, to be honest with you, I was <laughs> in another SEC town uh, with, uh, with my attention drawn to another game, and I did not have the, uh, the ability because of traveling to, uh, to put out an episode uh, in time for that South Carolina game. But to be honest with you, I think it's perfectly fine that we weren't able to because Kentucky, the loss is, is very, very simple to sum up. The offensive line was not good. Kentucky didn't have Will Levis. You can move on. I believe Split Zone Duo actually in their recap pod said something very, very similar. South Carolina 24, Kentucky 14. Will Levis didn't play. Offensive line's terrible. Moving on. It's, it's, it can be that simple. And we can also get into the, uh, the C-Rod frustrations with some of the fan base, although he had almost 100 yards in the first half. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But Kentucky for a second straight week, that offense needs him. And that's not a revelation. It's pretty obvious, pretty apparent. In order for Kentucky to be successful, though, 
if now that they've got him back, because according to the coaching staff, they felt like they were building some momentum on the offensive side of the ball. They thought that they were getting things going. Sure, they only scored 19 points against Ole Miss, but they had so many different opportunities, and they were put in so many different positions to score. I mean, the offense moved the ball pretty well, and they're starting to build some momentum, and the loss of Levis and that South Carolina game kind of killed it. But in order for them to get back on track, they have to do one specific thing, Zach Yenzer, the offensive line coach, talked about it. Mark Stoops has talked about it. The fan base has complained about it. The national media has complained about it. I've complained about it. Everybody knows what it is. Kentucky has to get better at pass protection. It's not even necessarily run blocking. Go look at Pro Football Focus. Go watch the film. It's not even necessarily necessarily run blocking. It's pass protection. And an interesting note from the offensive coordinator, Rich Gangarello, the pass protection is not necessarily missed assignments. You know, sometimes whenever you have breakdowns and pressures are allowed or free rushers are, are allowed and, and, and things kind of get collapsed on the quarterback, it could potentially be a missed assignment on an exotic front or a stunt or, or a twist or something where an offensive lineman was assigned a player that moved to a different spot and he doesn't have the time to react to get to a spot where he can actually block a, a new guy coming in. It's not that. And Zach Yenzer said this too. It's kids getting beaten one-on-one. And uh, that's not phenomenal to hear. Because you would like to be able to excuse things away and just say, oh, the talent will take care of itself once the coaching starts to kick in for these kids. And the coaches are saying, it's not the talent, or excuse me, it, it, it is the talent, and we're trying to coach it out, and they're just simply getting beat. So it comes back to we just don't have the talent to, to really work with up front. Now, nobody said that directly, but that's how I interpret it. If Zach Yenzer... And Rich Scangarello are saying, and this is some, a direct quote here from Scangarello, pass protection is always going to be a part of the lack of offensive success. You've got to make plays. Zach Yenzer, Yenzer, Yenzer multiple times just said, it's not Mr. Simons. Getting beat one-on-one. So what it says to me. It says, hey, we're not doing what we need to do up front. And on top of that, there's not really a true answer because the guys that we're trying to start just are just getting beat. Now, the positive thing I think you have to take away from this heading into this week specifically, Jeremy Flax is most likely going to be back according to what we've heard. Sounds like he's going to be back for the Wildcats. Now, whether or not some of you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, we can talk that out another day. But to be honest with you, any sort of experience that we got up front that was starting to begin the year, I'd like to have that back. Would not like to have any injuries up front. Keonta Goodwin apparently putting in work in camp, or excuse me, in practice, and I said it back in camp. I thought Keonta Goodwin at some point was going to find his way into the rotation and eventually into the starting lineup of this offensive line. Look, if things continue to go the way way that they're going, he will find a spot. He will find a spot. But in order for Kentucky to kind of get back to where they want to be, to be able to find some of these players, these receivers that Rich Gangarello said, he said that we had guys open last week. And for one reason or another, we didn't execute. And that's essentially him saying, I don't want to say it, but we had our backup quarterback in and our offensive line can't pass protect. So you got pressure on a backup quarterback that wasn't necessarily prepared to step into a situation like this. And here you are. You're not scoring. Not moving the ball like you want to. So you've got to have Will Levis protected. And I know that he's a tough guy. I know that he can take licks. You can't afford 
to have him go down with an injury that puts him out for the rest of the season. Because if you're trying to salvage this at this point, if you're trying to make up for what has happened in back-to-back weeks, you got to have the core of your offense healthy. Now, I think the interesting thing here is that the core of the offense is actually, in my opinion, not Will Levis when he's not 100% healthy. And it's somebody else that needs probably to get a little bit more attention this week, given the health concerns. I want to talk about that person, Chris Rodriguez, and why he isn't getting more carries and whether or not he should this weekend. In just a second, before we do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for college football betting info this season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles analysis on every game you can find. In fact, this week coming up, according to BetOnline.net, the line for the Kentucky-Mississippi State game open at 7 in favor of the Bulldogs. It has now dropped to 4 since the announcement of Will Levis returning to the lineup, at least We hope he is. Fingers crossed. According to Stoops, he expects him to be out there. That's definitely uh, something that you could go and make a play on. BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every single sport out there. You can head to BetOnline.net and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, continuing along here on the Thursday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Before we get to C-Rod and what he's been doing for the Wildcats, I want to get to this five-star review. That was left on Apple Podcasts. Cats fan in NC said this. This is a must-listen. Lance gives a fair review as a fan that gives you an unbiased look at the teams and schedules. Cats fan in NC, I really, really appreciate that. Uh, Anybody out there listening, if you would be willing to drop a five-star review for the podcast as well, I will definitely take a look at it and definitely give you a shout-out. Again, Cats fan at NC, really appreciate you, man. All right, moving along here, Chris Rodriguez. Another note here from Nick Rush of KSR, and no, I'm not just hanging out on KSR looking to see what they write about. I actually made these two notes on, on days separate from each other, so don't come at me. Nick Rush in a recent article, made a point about Chris Rodriguez and his touches, and this is something I was going to discuss, but this is a great way to kind of lead it off here. Kentucky is 0-2 since Chris Rodriguez made his 2022 season debut, right? In each of Kentucky's two losses, Rodriguez only has six fourth-quarter touches for 42 yards. Two of those touches were receptions against Ole Miss. He's averaging seven yards per touch, during money time, it has only been handed the rock six times in 30 minutes of football. So in these two fourth quarters, averaging seven yards per touch, seven yards per play, essentially, when you give the ball to C-Rod, he's going to get you seven yards on average. And yet he's only gotten six touches. Why is that? Why did Kentucky against South Carolina decide, instead of trying to establish the run, like they had in the first half, knowing that they were playing with a backup quarterback throwing to ref- to a load of freshman receivers behind an offensive line that has struggled to pass protect. Why was the script, the play calling, structured around throwing the ball 
like Kentucky did on first down. There, I believe there was, it might have been the first drive of the second half, I may be mistaken, where Kentucky came out and they tried to throw and there was a sack, there was a, ta- there was a completion, there, there was another sack, and then Kentucky decided to run Chris Rodriguez on like second and 24 or something like that. It's a small sample size, two fourth quarters, two games, small sample size, but I don't like the direction this is trending for Chris Rodriguez and I'm not calling out Rich Scangarello. I'm not saying, oh, play calling's terrible. The play calling's been good so far this season. It's just, uh, and he understands this better than any of us do because he's, he's actually calling plays at a Division I school. But I think it's really easy to critique, and we, always, we play the results. I get that, but it's, it's one of those situations where it's like you're playing with your backup quarterback, Right? You're playing with your backup quarterback, throwing to freshman receivers. Wouldn't you like to get your best player on offense involved in the second half instead of allowing South Carolina to immediately after that drive where you decided to throw on first down? Immediately after that drive, it was like a seven-minute drive. And then that was it. That was all she wrote after that. Kentucky has to do a better job of getting their playmakers the ball. It's that simple on offense sometimes. And, and don't, don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. Kentucky's got more than one playmaker. But C-Rod, with Will Levis unhealthy, if Will Levis is not 100%, Chris Rodriguez should be getting the ball. He should be getting the ball this weekend. Kentucky so far has had a tendency to essentially split run pass plays on first down this season. That has to shift towards the ground, and that has to start this weekend against the Bulldogs. Your best player, again, I want to reiterate it, Your best player on offense right now is Chris Rodriguez. Get him his touches. And I'm not huge on throwing up a bunch of different statistics because things can be taken out of context unless utilized properly. But an interesting stat here for you guys. Mississippi State is like sixth or fifth in the SEC in rushing yards lab per game. They are 12th in the conference, in yards allowed per carry. So what does this tell you? Well, on paper, it tells you a couple different things. Number one, Chris Rodriguez averaging a healthy yards per carry average right now, or yards per play average, I should say, with the receptions included. And he's been good late in games when he's gotten the ball. Mississippi State, not good when it comes to allowing yards per carry. And I should have looked up the chunk plays that they've given up on the ground this season. Kentucky's at home. They're playing in front of a home crowd. Mississippi State has the tendency to die out on offense. They're weird. It's the way the the air raid goes. Kentucky has an opportunity to do what they should have done last weekend, which is put the ball on the ground, control the time of possession, and win the game. It's not all about trying to find these freshman receivers and throwing the ball around the yard like a pro-style offense. If your, player, if, if your quarterback's not healthy, even if he is a first-round talent, make it easier on him. Don't make it harder. Make it easier. And we've talked about, we've talked about how Kentucky's been really good about scheming around the weaknesses on this team. And they've been good about that so far this season. But last week, I feel like that game, we, we lost the game. Don't get me wrong. We lost the game, but it just feels like that was a winnable game had a couple things gone the Wildcats' way. Special teams was a factor again. Don't you? I don't even want to bring up the first half drive charts. 
but there were there were opportunities for this offense to do things a little bit differently, especially in the second half. And Chris Rodriguez has to be a part of that. He has to be. If Kentucky wants to win this weekend, they cannot go in there and say, we're not even going to give this man touches in the third and fourth quarter. They have to give him the ball if they're going to the entire game. The entire game. Take possessions away from Mississippi State. Don't let them hold on to the ball. Don't let them do what South Carolina did. You take the time of possession. I think that's one of the most important things heading into this weekend, this matchup against the the Bulldogs. You have to establish the ground. You have to establish it. Because your pass protection, look, we can talk all we want about it needing to get better. We can talk all we want about the running running game needing to get better. The offensive line, halfway through the season, if they've not solved their problems up front, they're not going to. And the running game's there to be had. Just run the ball. That's all I'm saying. Run the ball. All right. I want to get to Big Blue Madness. I want to get to Onyenzo. I want to talk about his player preview, what we think about him. And then they're just briefly going to talk about what we expect out of Big Big Blue Madness. Before we do that, though, I just want to remind you guys again, subscribe to the podcast if you're listening on YouTube. Please make sure to subscribe. If you have a question for the show, leave it in the YouTube comments below. I try really, really hard not to miss these. I'm almost positive I've missed a few. I apologize for that. But if you've got a question, we try and do a segment every single week where we go through uh, questions f- uh, for the show. If you're listening on podcast, you can hit me on the socials at Locked On UK. Make sure you give that a follow on Twitter at Locked On UK. Hit me, sh- shoot me a DM, and uh, ask me a question about the what's going on at UK. Would really appreciate it. All right, wrapping up the Thursday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Daw hanging out here with you. Player preview. This is going to be our first before basketball season starts. Really, really excited about the start of college basketball season. Ugana Onyenzo, or Ugana Kingsley Onyenzo, borderline five-star prospect, six foot 11, 225 pounds. According to what we've heard and seen about Onyenzo, he's coming along well in practice. We've gotten to see some of the highlights, gotten to read some of the articles, gotten to talk to Coach Cal himself. Onyenzo's coming along. Now, the question here is whether or not Kentucky actually uses him this season. We've kind of gone back and forth on that. I think that they're going to put him out there at some point this year. Now, whether or not he actually gets serious minutes, I don't know. In my opinion, by the way, if we just go ahead and throw throw this out there, if Shibway goes down with an injury, knock on wood, really hope that doesn't happen, won't, let's just say it won't, this is who you put at center. Onyenzo is who you put at center, not Lance Ware, nope. Don't put Lance Ware at center. This is who you put down there. As far as, far as his skill set goes, I think Onyenzo has a pretty straightforward profile. And actually, I think he said it better, best himself. He said this uh, quote recently. He said, I know what I do and how to do it best. Protect the rim, rebound, and run the floor. I think that's going to make a huge difference. That's perfect. That's perfect. That's exactly what he does. He's really, really good at protecting the rim. Excellent shot blocker, natural at it. He can rebound, and he can run the floor. I think the most important thing when looking at this kid's abilities is not looking past the fact that he's still learning how to play the game. While he's gotten training, right, and he got training at uh, Putnam uh, Science Academy in Connecticut, whatever high school he went to, he's going to be like any other freshman that comes into college, even the freshman that Kentucky's had. He's going to be raw, he's going to be unpolished, and he's going to be learning, right? 
but he's got natural instincts. He's got great athleticism, and those are going to carry him early. The most important thing, though, about this, the fact that he's raw, is that his offensive skill set is just, there. there's a lot to be learned there, I think. My, my breakdown of this kid whenever he committed a few months ago, I'll just go ahead and read what I wrote just a few months ago. Plays very tense, is a great anticipator at the rim. Defensively sound, offensively feels impatient, but maybe the aggression is his playing style. Actually has a nice form for a six foot eleven big man. Not trusting him to take many outside shots. Don't think he will at all this year. But his free throw form is nice. Great shot blocker. Excellent timing. Needs to put on a little weight if he's going to play the way that he has. Occasionally has issues establishing himself in the paint. Was not really able to move or work his way towards the rim. Often in post-ups during film. Resorted to spinning out of it or immediately taking a shot if he could not back his man down. Could work really well in sets where Kentucky tries to force a defensive, uh, defense to front. Could also work well in pick-and-roll action as he possesses nice touch close to the rim while also being able to finish through contact. So once he's actually able to back his man down, if he is able to get positioning, he's really, really good at finishing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, most six foot eleven kids are. 24-7 Sports also noted this. His offensive game has to continue to grow. I, duh. Continuing to develop and learning offensive positioning and how to best use your pivots and how to uh, actually back things down, I think are going is, is going to help him. And of course, Kentucky's working on that. Of course, they're practicing that. No doubt that he's emphasized that this offseason. If he's able to add a little bit of that offense to his game, I think he's going to be an excellent player for the Wildcats. I mean, he's talked about that he understands what his role is. He understands what he does best, which is getting those blocks. And, man, I'm excited about him as a defensive pre- presence on the floor. But I'm curious to see if he if he gets his minutes what Kentucky does in terms of getting him touches, like directly getting him touches, not just by happenstance, actually like not necessarily running sets for him, but getting him the ball and letting him work a little bit. Because early on in this non-conference slate, you're going to have opportunities to maybe get this kid a little comfortable. Because again, if someone goes down with an injury in that front court, you've, you would like to think that Onyenzo will get some amount of playing time, right? The question is whether or not he will. And we'll just have to see. I believe that he will, though. All right, Big Blue Madness. Here we go, guys. Sorry, I had to take a sip of the uh, of the water there. No name brand. They do not sponsor the show. All right, Big Blue Madness coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun. Going to be really fun to kind of see the three-point contest, the dunk contest. Going to get to see a little bit of a scrimmage, even though it's not necessarily even a scrimmage. It's just everybody out there throwing lobs and putting up threes. Ty Ty Washington, I went back and watched... <laughs> the most recent Big Blue Madness uh, a couple days ago, Washington was like nailing threes from the parking lot. It was insane. I forgot that he would just like absolutely lit it up during that little scrimmage, if you can even call it that. I mean, if that was a sign to come, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what is. Pre-injury, of course. Three-point contest winner. I think this is a really easy prediction. CJ Frederick, if you guys want to just speculate on who you think is going to win what this year, you can leave that in the uh, in the YouTube comments below. Again, listening on podcast, at Locked on UK on Twitter is the place you can find me. CJ Frederick, I think, you know, after seeing him last year, I believe he scored 22 to win this contest a year ago. Obviously, Kentucky's best shooter. Don't know how big of a role he's going to have offensively for the Wildcats this season. Apparently, 
uh, still recovering from some type of injury, but should if he if he wanted to play tomorrow in a game, he could. He'd be fine. Duck contest winner. This is tough. This is tough. Okay, so Damian and Collins last year did not have the best dunk contest, at least in my opinion, after uh, after seeing, going back and watching some of the highlights from that. Jacob Toppin, though, he's also one of the bounciest players, not just on the team, but in the country. I had a really, really tough time on this one. I still don't have a decision made, so I've got the dunk contest winner. It's going to be one of the two. Jacob Toppin or Damian Collins. Again, if you've got thoughts on this, if you think, no, it's definitely Toppin, no, it's definitely Collins, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below. The only thing I want to see out of this entire thing, outside of nobody getting hurt, is Shibway make a three. I want to see them let him actually fog one up during the scrimmage, and I want to see him knock one down. That's what I'm looking most forward to. If you have something that you're looking forward to in particular for Big Blue Madness, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. Again, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at LanceDahl underscore. And you can follow the show on Instagram over at Kentucky Podcast. Questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the comments. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And God bless.